Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. This is the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. Now, here's Judge Jeanine Pirro. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. I hope everyone's enjoying their day so far. It's a wonderful day here in New York City. And as always, we are armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners on the Red Apple Audio Network. Well, a lot has happened this week. Uh, always so exciting. Uh, we had the uh, second Republican presidential primary debate. And we're going to be talking to uh, communication strategist uh, Garrett Ventry, someone who also was involved in uh, in providing information and uh, uh, was a spokesperson for Congress, the Supreme Court nominees, and uh, is a regular on cable news. We're going to be talking to him about that. And then the Republican impeachment inquiry began. We'll talk about why it's an inquiry and not as flat-out impeachment. Uh, And we're also going to be talking to uh, Congressman Daryl Issa about that uh, 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 impeachment and what it means and uh, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, And also this week, uh, we find out a little more, and that is that Joe Biden's uh, address was used uh, as the uh, situs for the receipt of a, uh, I think, a $219,000 check to Hunter Biden, uh, bringing the issue of corruption closer to the Biden family and Joe Biden in particular. And Senator Bob Menendez, indicted by the Southern District in New York. Uh, so there's a lot going on and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of impact on the, the presidential election going forward. You know, the interesting thing about I just want to get this uh, out of the way. The interesting thing about uh, Bob Menendez. Now, they find this guy with a half a million dollars in cash in his house. Right. And he's using the Cuban defense, meaning they're used to the Cuban government coming in and confiscating their money. So they keep it at home. Here's a problem. Bob wasn't born in Cuba, but apparently he heard about it. And uh, we call him Gold Bar Bob. But I got to tell you, uh, when I was on the five this week, I argued that Senator Bob Gold Bar Bob Menendez should keep his job in the Senate. They should not throw him out because the man is entitled to a presumption of innocence. My gosh, all the years he put into the Senate and they can't wait to get rid of him. You want to know why they can't wait to get rid of him? This is the Democrats because they don't want to lose that seat, folks, and they're a little worried about it. But here's the problem. Problem. Menendez has uh, a decent defense, not the uh, Cuba defense that I, I mentioned where you have to keep all your cash at home. But he's got a defense that even the New York Times wrote about. And uh, they said that justice's rulings on graft are key in the Menendez case. Here's the bottom line. 
Uh, Senator McDonald uh, from Virginia was indicted for, you know, taking bribes in the form of, I think, a Rolex watch and that and, and money as well or, or benefits. And the Supreme Court reversed the conviction and they said there has to be a formal act of government. You know, you can't just say you do do me a favor, you know, interview this guy or, you know, uh, have a meeting with this guy or take a look at this. That's not formal government action. And I suspect that there's going to be a lot of trouble, which is why Menendez got a hung jury in the last trial. Uh, uh, but I think what's so fascinating about all this is that uh, the, the Democrats just want him off the floor. Uh, but you would think just between us, just between us, you would think having uh, had a hung jury on the last bribery case, the guy would know enough to stay away from anything dirty. But who knows what goes on in the Senate? But I want to draw something very interesting to your attention, and that is Senator Bob Menendez was a chair of the Foreign Relations Committee uh, and is accused of doing favors for Egypt. And gee, wasn't Joe Biden the same on the Foreign Relations Committee where he was able to collect money from other governments? Is a foreign Relations Committee a perk that anybody who's on it gets to say, we'll give you money as long as you just fill my little piggy bank. Uh, A lot of corruption in Washington, folks. A lot of corruption. So we're going to be speaking with political strategist Garrett Ventry and then Congressman Daryl Issa. It's all coming up here in just a few moments. And never forget, that's the commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. And up next on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers show, I'll be speaking with Garrett Ventry next on the Red Apple Audio Network. It's the Judge Jeanine Show. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is a political strategist and the founder and principal of GRV Strategies, LLC. Uh, please join me in welcoming Garrett Ventry to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Uh, folks, you may recall Garrett has joined us in the past. Uh, he is someone uh, who not only regularly appears on cable news, but he's a former U.S. House Chief of Staff and U.S. Senate spokesperson who's advised members of Congress, Supreme Court nominees, and top corporations on community, uh, on uh, communication strategy and public policy. Now, uh, Garrett, now I want to talk to you about the debate this week. Uh, you know, the Republican presidential primary debate. Uh, it was, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, it was a lot of shouting and talking over each other. And that's really a shame. But, you know, I, I always thought that it might be a good idea to just cut them off. Like, you got your one minute. Shut up. It's over. Stop talking. And this guy, Doug Burgum, whoever he is, I mean, he's an impressive guy. There's no question. But the guy was a nuisance. After a while, he just wouldn't stop jumping in. And, uh, uh. Dana Perino had to say, you know, I don't want to, but we may have to shut your mic. Well, just shut them down. Don't let them talk over each other. But that's just me. Um, uh, Did you think there was any clear winner or loser, Garrett Ventry, in that debate? 
Absolutely. And thanks for having me on, as always, Judge. Love joining the show. Um, I, I think that, you know, I thought Dana and Stewart did a nice job. I think those things are tough to moderate. Uh, in terms of the debate, I mean, the problem here, again, is this. It's like you're going to, you know, I don't want to, uh, if you're a younger person, it's like going to a Taylor Swift concert. If you're not young, maybe it's like going to a Beatles concert and the Beatles or Taylor Swift doesn't show up and you get the cover band. And that's yeah. what you're getting with these candidates here. It is you know, they're good candidates. Like you said, Doug Burgum, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis all have impressive resumes. The issue is they're just not resonating with the Republican base. And I, I find this very interesting. I was talking to President Trump on the phone a few weeks back, and he said one of the issues that he thinks that was underrated here is that voters don't like disloyalty, Republican voters. And he feels mm -hmm. like Ron DeSantis has been very disloyal to him. He helped make his career, and mm -hmm. then he decided to jump in against him. He, see, he sees the same thing with Nikki Haley, he elevated yeah. her to... UN ambassador. So I think the winner of the debate here, I mean, it, it's honestly Trump. He continues to be at 50, 60 percent of the polls here. Obviously, Nikki Haley had a nice performance. Tim Scott, Ron DeSantis, they will talk about policy. The issue is with all of these candidates, until they can prove that they can take away votes from Donald Trump's 50 or 60 percent of the vote with his 40, 50 percent lead, it's going to be tough for any of them to convince voters that uh, they are going to be able to mount any serious challenge to him. Do you think it's a mistake for Donald Trump not to be part of that debate? I, I do not. The reason is, is he has 100 percent name ID with voters. Republican voters saw how he governed as president. They like what he did on judges. They like what he did on tax cuts. They like what he did on China. They like what he did on trade. He has a record and everyone knows his record. He's out there campaigning. And so I don't think it's a debate, especially if you look at the numbers. He continues to mount a 40, 50 point lead against all his challengers. And the debate seems to, although they're important for some of these candidates to try to have breakout moments when you're someone like Donald Trump up with that massive of a lead, I just don't think it necessarily has mattered for him. And I think you're seeing that in the data and the energy. You know, it's interesting. The last question of the debate was, you know, who would you vote off the island? And uh, yeah, I got to give Ron DeSantis credit. You know, you'll recall, Garrett Ventry, after the first debate, um, I, I think the question was, will all of you support the Republican candidate? And Ron DeSantis kind of looked around and yeah. <laughs> excuse me. But this time he the, as soon as the question was put to them, who would you vote off the island? He just said, I don't think that's appropriate, you know, and I was very impressed with that because although, you know, they may be going back and forth against each other. The truth is, it's really up to the American people. And it's it's almost kind of petty, uh, you know, to say, who do you want off this off this uh, stage? But I, I got to tell you, I was impressed the first time Garrett Ventry. Uh, when Nikki Haley, who, you know, I Trump may consider disloyal because, you know, he gave her a national profile in terms of her being the ambassador to the U.N., uh, the first time she talked about abortion in a way that was thoughtful and she is pro-life and she said, I'm unapologetically pro-life. Uh, but she she expanded on that. And it seemed that she was able to reach out not just to Republicans, but I think across the aisle with that intelligent discussion. And I don't know if it's because she was a woman or if it's really a question of, uh, you know, let's just, 
you know, let's just deal with the reality of what's going on in America today. But I think she continued to impress and uh, she had some whippers. I mean, you know, she said to Tim, bring it, Tim, Tim Scott, and, uh, you know, do your homework. Uh, and and she kind of reminds me. I mean, it's it's she's my kind of uh, gal. I mean, she she framed up against the person who you know she was talking to, eye to eye contact, not afraid, toe to toe. And I was very impressed with her. Yeah, I mean, she certainly uh, is very good on the debate stage, and there's a lot of. Uh, I think she has some good energy. She you know talks tough on China. I think there's some interesting things there. Uh, that she's proven herself. Obviously, she was a very, you know, uh, she was good at the job of UN ambassador. She was served as a governor for almost two terms there in South Carolina before she was appointed by President Trump again to the UN ambassadorship. So she certainly, I think, of all of the people on the stage, is trying to uh, prove, I think, to donors, prove to some voters that she might have a path forward to beat Donald Trump. Again, the issue with that is, you know, she's lagging 50 points behind and she's just not been able to make an impact there. But maybe that is a play for obviously the long game here to try and prove that, you know, you could be a potential alternative as DeSantis DeSantis continues to fizzle out. I think the Vivek, uh, you know, surge is kind of uh, off there. I think people, you know, he's losing a lot of traction there. But again, Trump just continues to remain dominant there. Yeah, the interesting thing is that if they all stay in or if they all get out, it doesn't matter. Trump wins either way. So it's almost like, you know, a P.S., an addendum, you know, and these people wanted it, too. But, you know, whether or not they're in it, you know, to try to get a cabinet position, I mean, clearly someone like Chris Christie. I mean, honestly, I think the guy suffers from Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, he's so focused on. Yeah. He uh, he is in a, you know, uh, hate Trump, Donald Duck, all that craziness. Uh, And Chris Christie, it's almost as though it doesn't matter if he makes it. He just wants to take down Donald Trump and his family as well, which is kind of interesting because they were friends for a long time. But, you know, I think that uh, Vivek has kind of plateaued out, just as you say. Uh, and, uh, you know, Tim Scott is the nice guy. I mean, he's a thoughtful guy. He's a nice guy. And, uh, and then you've got, uh, you know, you've got Bergam, as I said, he was just, to me, he was a nuisance, you know, (laughs) at the end of the stage, me too, me too. But, um, in the end, I think there's another, uh, presidential primary debate coming up in November, but let's turn to the Democrats for a second. Now it doesn't appear that Joe Biden's going to debate. Don't ask me for my uh, editorializing on that. I don't think the guy's (laughs) capable of debating, but that's just me, Garrett. Um, uh, you know, Bobby Kennedy Jr., you know, he's kind of staying, you know, where he was. He's not making any moves up. Uh, Marianne Williamson, I don't know where she is in this whole thing. But I think the bigger question is, does Joe make it to the finish line? Yeah, I mean, that is a great question. I also think he will do the basement strategy. This is a guy who struggles to walk up the stairs of Air Force One, has to wear tennis shoes because he can't wear dress shoes because he might fall you know, he claimed he was building, he's got all these gas where he's claiming he's building a, you know, a bridge over the Indian Ocean, whatever that means. I mean, it's just gap, it's gap after gap, right? And it's not just like, oh, I slipped up. It clearly has to do with his cognitive uh, ability, his stamina to do the job. And, you know, voters, not just Republican voters, but independent voters and Democrat voters by large majorities have deep concerns about his ability to do the job. Now, 
I, that's why I don't think he could debate. Again, he hides from press. He couldn't do an interview for more than two minutes. They have him in Delaware every every moment that they can away from the White House and away from uh, interactions with voters and with reporters and uh, other politicians because he just seems to not be able to handle the job. And again, that's not a Republican talking point. It's independents. Democrats feel the same way. Right. I don't think he'll debate. I think there's going to be a big push for Gavin Newsom. I do. And I think you're seeing that right now. He was at the uh, RNC debate in the spin room. He's going to be debating Ron DeSantis. I think there are a lot of people that would much prefer someone younger and more dynamic than Joe Biden. RFK Jr. seems to not be able to crack through. Um, and Marianne Williamson, she's, you know, who knows yeah, what she's yeah, doing. Yeah. She's a very interesting, weird lady. But uh, yeah, yeah. She's uh, almost like know, not not uh, not in it. But I think I think yeah, it's right. very interesting that, first of all, why would Ron DeSantis raise Gavin Newsom's profile? Gavin Newsom is not running. Right. I mean, you and I both know he's running. Let's not kid right. ourselves. He's got right. those jar, jars of that whatever he put pomade or whatever he puts in his hair. <laughs> he's got it lined up for the next year. And, you know, he's he got that. That throw the jacket over the shoulder, uh, you know, carefree yeah. kind of I can do it. And he's smooth. Garrett Ventry, uh, Gavin Newsom is smooth. But, is you know, why is, you know, Ron DeSantis uh, debating him? Why is he giving him that? Ron is running for president and Gavin Newsom says he isn't. So why debate him? What What's the benefit there? There is no benefit. And I think Gavin even said, you know, a couple of days ago that he almost like baited and tricked Ron into doing this, right? It's, you know, you're supposed to be running for president and you're debating another governor in California. Yeah. And let's not forget, I mean, Gavin Newsom, he, he he's he's destroyed the state of California. There's no spin. I mean, the, the border's out of control there. Uh, gas prices are up. Inflation's bad. People are moving to other states. So it's not because Gavin Newsom's been a talented governor, an effective governor, but he is a talented politician. Ron DeSantis really struggles on the debate stage, and you've seen this uh, in the first two GOP debates. He does an okay job, but he, I think he's going to struggle against uh, Gavin Newsom. You're, you know, Ron is in a very desperate place here. He, you know, he had to cut one-third of his staff. Donors are questioning down in the polls. He's fifth in New Hampshire right now. Mm. And so I think he's trying to sing at the wall. Because he's very frustrated. And listen, you and I both know he was a he was a very successful governor in Florida. Yeah. He did a nice job yeah. during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, people are attracted to the state, but you know he's miscalculation here, and I think you're seeing that here with this debate against Gavin Newsom again. It's just some desperation and bad decision. By yeah, Ron. Garrett Ventry. It's always great to have you on the uh, Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. We love you. Uh, stay safe, and we'll, hopefully we'll be talking to you in the near future. Thank you. Thank. You. Thank you, Judge. All right. Take care. And never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good. In honor of America's heroes, donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome back to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining me now is a congressman representing California's 48th Congressional District. Please join me in welcoming Daryl Issa to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Uh, The congressman, I'm sure you all know him. Uh, He has been on uh, virtually every committee in Congress, uh, oversight, 
uh, government uh, reform, judiciary, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to get right to it, Congressman. Thank you so much for your time. I want to talk about the border and I want to talk about uh, the fact that we are now in a place where and, and unfortunately, I think this should have happened years ago, where the rest of America, in addition to the southern border that's been overrun, is starting to realize the impact and uh, of the illegal immigrants entering our country. Uh, are, we, are we at a critical stage now? Janine, we absolutely are. It's critical when you hear the mayor of, of New York City saying he needs emergency funds, he can't take anyone else into America's largest city, and he has a fraction of what would be his proportional fair share of these immigrants. And so you start seeing that around the country, but you also see the fentanyl crisis and, and, and mayors recognizing that they can't fix one without fixing the other. Uh, it doesn't mean that they've turned on Biden fully, but they've certainly turned to Biden for help with a crisis created by President Biden's administration. You know, the the open borders with, you know, Mayorkas saying, oh, the border's secure. Everyone knows the border is not secure. And, you know, a lot of that, a lot of the kudos for bringing that information to the American public goes to Bill Malusian from Fox and, you know, the drones that we've had to fly over to get an idea of what's going on. And now we're seeing nine, ten thousand a day through Eagle Pass and other areas. I mean, it is is it's even a bigger push right now. What do you think has caused the late? Biggest, biggest push, it seems, a daily push. We're seeing like 80,000 a week. Well, you now have mechanisms around the world that uh, are profiting by feeding in immigrants. Remember, these immigrants, they're not the destitute ones. The destitute ones have nowhere to go. These are ones that are able to scrape up the amount of money necessary to transit and then, of course, to pay the coyotes to let them come over the border. Uh, and but the the machinery in country after country is getting there, and we're starting to see something that we didn't we never saw before, which is the countries like India, which had very little part of illegal immigration, but a big part of legal immigration. Right. They're now realizing rather than waiting in line, just come over the border, and they will be in ahead of their fellow countrymen. Mm-hmm. There's no point in waiting in line. There's no point in getting an attorney. There's no point in doing it all the right way. You know, just actually take a plane to Mexico and then cross. But, you know, the sad part about all this is and you are absolutely right, Congressman Darrell Issa, when you say that, you know, New York City is uh, entertaining just a fraction of its proportional fair share. Uh, because you've got small towns in the southern border, 30,000, that are literally overrun, businesses overrun. And it, what we're seeing in New York City is the hotels. This past summer, 50% of the hotels had illegals in them. And people come to New York City to enjoy the, you know, the, the city, the shopping, the shows, the dining. It's not the same. I don't know if it will ever be the same. But when I hear people talk about, oh, it's... It's a broken system. And, you know, it's the Republicans' fault and it's the Democrats' fault. I, 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 I scratch my head because it's not broken. You follow the law and you don't let them in. And you do everything you can to prevent them from coming in. And yet there's continually saying that the system is broken. No, is it broken? Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. 
Look, we are a magnet for people wanting opportunity. We have been for uh, more than 100 years. The difference is that under presidents, including Franklin Roosevelt and others, there was a recognition that there had to be an orderly numbered line. We had to set a number and allow that number to come into the country. That has been thrown out by this administration in a way that no administration of either party has done before. Is it going to be hard to get the genie back in the bottle? You better believe it. You've demoralized the Border Patrol. You've created a draw where people aren't going to believe that we're really pushing back until we not only seal the border, but we change the, the basis under which uh, people claim falsely that they're somehow being persecuted in their home country. And that's going to take a, a change in administration. This administration has neither the inclination nor the will to do it because it is good politics for this administration, even though it's bad for America. And that's Congressman Nice. such a sad commentary. It's good politics, but bad for America. You know, anybody, I don't care if you're a Republican or you're a Democrat, has to recognize our social uh, our social services net. How many people can that net hold? Our local schools, how many kids can they teach? How many teachers do they have to hire who speak not only Spanish or or Venezuelan, but they have to speak Pakistani. They have to speak, you know, Arabic. They have to speak. I mean, we've got 180 countries coming into this country. Schools, and, and I know for my school taxes, it's a local tax, isn't it? The government, the federal government, do they pay for schools? Oh, no, absolutely not. And this is where uh, the federal government is trying to say, well, this isn't our responsibility. And Democrat strongholds have finally realized they they can't and shouldn't afford it. But the money's not going to come from the federal government. We're already two trillion dollars a year in deficit. There's no way for it. And that's what's got to change. And it's got to change with with an election. I'll just be as candid as can be. Uh, the, The House can do a lot. But there's a there's a limit to what we can do when a president ignores the law. Why? I know you said it's politics, Congressman Issa, but it, it is a it is just stunning because you you won't look when you go to a grocery store, or you go anywhere. It's like if you speak English, it's sometimes you can't get what you need. It's it's everything has changed. And, you know, I welcome immigrants. All of our families were immigrants, but they did it legally. And right now we're in a situation where no one is in control. You know, New York City is trying to shove their immigrants, illegal immigrants. I don't want to call them migrants because what is it? 85, 95 percent of them, their asylum claims are not legitimate. And asylum, because you're poor, doesn't mean you're entitled to asylum. You know, because you come from a violent country doesn't mean you're entitled to asylum. It's only if they're the government is after you and they're going to torture you or jail you. And and yet, you know, they're just trying to move them upstate or move them here or there. It's 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 just beyond beyond the pale for all of us in New York. Well, you're exactly right. And I will tell you, the administration has a desire, which is for these uh, illegal immigrants to reside in Democrat neighborhoods, in Democrat areas, because on the next sen- census, that will give the Democrats a permanent majority. They figured it out. They want to do it. Uh, and I, I, there's no way to stop them except to get the American people, including Democrats who say, I don't want a Democrat majority by destroying our country. 
uh, even if they want to vote Democrat, they've got to realize that this is just wrong minded for America. Uh, And by the way, my own district, which includes the Mexican border, um, you know, my Mexican-American and other immigrants, uh, including Chaldeans, Iraqi Christians, the whole like, they are furious that, in fact, their future is being compromised as immigrants by this onslaught of uncontrolled immigration. Right. And, you know, the interesting thing is that uh, even in The New York Times today, Uh, or it wasn't today, it was a a day or two ago, they were talking about the fact that they're coming across, I think maybe it was Elon Musk, talking about the fact that, you know, they're coming in tatted up, you know, with tears that represent a homicide. And when I was a DA, I used to prosecute the MS-13, the Latin Kings. They proudly wear tattoos that identify the number of victims that they've killed. They're, that they're in gangs where the only way they get into a gang is to kill someone in front of a group of people. Um, it, but but in America, we're not worried about crime anymore because we're into social justice. So, um, you know, you, 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 you let everybody go and then, you know, whatever happens, happens there's got to be a reset or america will no longer exist as the as the nation it's, we're nothing more than a global landing spot with benefits that's what we are we are and, and it comes at the worst possible time and I'll, I'll put my other hat on my science and technology hat we are in a race the the advanced world including europe the united states against china and a few other dictatorships on who's going to lead technology in the next generation, who's going to lead the economy. And in the last administration, we were doing pretty darn well. Now we are finding ourselves behind and behind in measurable ways. And so, you know, as we look and say, we want for the next generation, to, for the United States to provide the kind of income and leadership, both to its own people and to the rest of the world, we, we're not going to be able to do it if we lose this fight. And right now, having having good immigration, uh, looking for people who can integrate and help us right. uh, as a big part of it, that's going to help us succeed. So I'm all for bringing in the best and the brightest, but I'm not for looking and saying there's 7 billion people in the world and let, let 6 billion of them decide if they want to come here, even, even though we have no jobs for them and they have no skills to offer us until maybe in the next generation. But that's where we are. I have a farm district. Uh, part of my district. Believe it or not, my farmers still can't get people because the ones coming over the border oh, see no reason to take those jobs. Interesting. Yeah. And that's one of the excuses. They say, oh, no, the farmers need them. The, some of the big companies need them. But why are they not interested in those jobs? They're not interested because the social welfare net is taking care of them because moving to the city seems like a better idea because other jobs, when they finally get them, are going to be easier than the hard backbreaking work that they left behind in their own home country and they don't want to do here. Again, we we as Americans owe it to our legal immigrants to have an orderly system to help them make that step up uh, in addition to our historic citizens. And we're just not doing it. It's for the first time uh, in history that it is deliberate and malicious by an administration. Yes, it is deliberate. It is malicious. And the question is, when is enough enough? And, uh, you know, with Joe Biden refusing or incapable of answering and with Mayorkas continuing to lie to Congress, the inability to get enough votes to impeach him, 
uh, is it's very frustrating to watch from from a viewer's perspective because, you know, Americans are fair minded people. We're the most generous people in the world, as you all know, Congressman Issa. But in the end, um, we are losing. We are losing to people who don't love this country the way we do. A lot of them come over with their own flags, trying to develop their own areas where they're buying land and want to develop their own communities. I don't know where exactly that was. But, you know, we've got a lot to fight for and we don't have a president who's interested in fighting. Uh, And whether or not this impeachment goes through or doesn't go through, at least we've got a presidential election next year. And my final question to you, Congressman, um, what's going to happen with this impeachment? Do you know the inquiry right now? We're going to get the facts for the American people of the criminal activity of the Biden family, uh, whether it leads to an impeachable capability of the president himself, it's clear that the checks, the money, the 250000 and other that were transferred directly to President Biden's address put him in the center of it all. So am, am I getting uh, what I believe is the trail leading to the necessity for impeachment? Yes. Uh, will we get there? I think the most important thing is for the American people to know mm-hmm. uh, what's happened and to make decisions. And that's that is happening. And, and just briefly, you mentioned elections. We're only less than a month, roughly a month away from uh, Virginia elections, a place where the governor has stood up against right. government uh, misstatements mis- uh, and against illegal immigration and said, look, my job is to get kids the opportunity to have good education and to empower uh, my constituents, the families. Uh, There's going to be a referendum on two different directions, and one of them is the wrong direction of the Democrats. The other is Governor Yunkin's right direction. Interesting. That'll be very interesting to watch. And he certainly made history before Governor Yunkin. Anyway, Congressman Darrell Issa, we thank you so much for your time. We thank you for the hard work that you do on behalf of uh, California and the American people. God bless. Thank you, Judge. Take care, Janine. Take care. And never forget, that's the commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. This is the Judge Janine Show. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Okay, now it's time for me to gavel out with my closing argument. All right, you heard from Garrett Ventry. You heard from Congressman Daryl Issa. We're in a hell of a mess. Uh, My concern, of course, is primarily on the issue of the illegal immigration and what it is doing to this country, what it is doing to our uh, social services, safety net, how much money is there? Is there enough money for everybody? And I got to tell you, folks, I was shocked when Congressman Darrell Isis said that a lot of the people coming in are not interested in doing the jobs in the farms in California, on the farms in California. They don't want that backbreaking work. They want to be able to make more money, and some of them will make more money doing nothing, getting their education, medication, and housing for free. And, of course, the issue of education. All of you out there who are paying school taxes, get ready. 
because the federal government does not pay for schools. It's all a state issue. And given that it's a state issue, we've got more kids coming in. We've got kids that we've got to try to figure out what grade they go into, what level of English and understanding they have, hiring teachers who speak their language to try to acclimate them to the English language, hiring them to tutor them. Folks, this is crazy. And for those of you in New York City, I mean, Daryl, Congressman Daryl Issa hit it on the head. You know, when he said that New York City is is nowhere near uh, entertaining a fraction of its proportional fair share of illegals. I mean, think about these small towns on the southern border. I mean, they are literally overrun, whether it's ranches, fences, um, businesses. They're just overrun. People can't handle this. It's almost like a stampede. It's an invasion. And I talk about this in my book, Crimes Against America. It is the left's takedown of our society. You can get the book on Amazon.com. Every institution of government is being taken down by the left. Education. They did it during the COVID pandemic where Randy Weingarten and those schools and the unions, all they cared about was every metric to close the schools, not to open them, but to close them. And now we're going to saddle our kids with all of these immigrant kids who don't understand English, who many of them are learning English for the first time, and we have to take the time out to educate them. Folks, God bless them. We are all immigrants. But at some point, there's got to be an orderly process. And that is not what's going on in the country right now. So get ready. Uh, we've got an election coming up in a year and two months, uh, and actually a year and a month, a little more than a month. We've got to make it clear of what we want this country to be. Do we want it to be a socialist, progressive nation where there's no jail, where, you know, progressive social justice, which is, a, you know, oxymoron, uh, reigns and criminals get to run rampant in the street, is illegals get to stay in hotels while Americans work two and three jobs to pay their taxes and pay for food on the table and pay for the social security net and the safety net, I should say, for illegals? I don't think so. This is all backwards. Got to take this country back. And we can do it, folks. I am optimistic we can do it. Get my book, Crimes Against America. You know, there's a guy who in 1838 predicted that America could only be destroyed, not by an enemy from across the ocean, but she can only be destroyed by suicide from within. And that is what's happening. Anyway, we've run out of time. Uh, Can't wait to talk to you next week. Same time, same place. Be well. Take care of yourself. God bless. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.